You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Now on America's Web Radio, David, this is our first, our very first podcast in the Trump presidency era. Uh, and uh, I am, I was wrong. Uh, David, did you, you have that piece of paper? You couldn't find it anymore where I said Hillary was going to win? No, don't you think I'm diplomatic? I, I think you should have said, put it up, that. Chuck said Hillary was going to win. Uh, and if that election had been held the week I said that, Hillary would have won. But i got to tell you, the Trump campaign did a... They ran a great campaign, uh, and uh, they got their 290 electoral votes. You know that. Uh, what did what it want at 306 or something? No, like because Michigan hasn't certified their results yet. It's still too close to call in Michigan, apparently. There's like a 3,000, 6,000 no, vote I difference. I still think he's gotten 306. No, it's two. No, if he gets Michigan, it's 309, and she's got like 232 or something like that, 307 or something like that. He's officially at 290 right now, which is enough. It's just, what about it? He's still one, right? Um, but what's interesting is you look at the four states that put him over the top, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, all right? All four states that Obama won at least at one point. And if Hillary had won two of them, she would be president. But he won all four. And he won all four of those together by less than 100,000 votes. That is extraordinary campaigning, but, extraordinary but. management of a campaign. And kudos to him because he did it right. Do you remember anyone in this room that might have mentioned how important the rallies were. Oh, you and, were, yeah. And I, and and I poo-pooed that that them. And grassroots. And you were right. And, and you know what? What he did was something Hillary couldn't do. Now, keep in mind, Obama, at Trump, Romney had huge rallies, too. And Obama didn't. And but Obama won. But it's all the in diff- how you play it. Well, the difference, I think, and the key was uh, Romney's people didn't necessarily go out and vote. Trump's did. That's right. And Hillary basically ignored that concept. She didn't go for the big rallies. I mean, probably couldn't get them anyway. Well, she had a huge rally in North Carolina, but you should be, maybe she could, maybe she couldn't. But in the four states that were key, the four key states. You got five fingers up there. Oh, four key states. Sorry about that. Four key states that are up there. Um, the two that she should have won was Pennsylvania, Michigan. She wasn't going to win Ohio. She, maybe she could have won North Carolina too, especially since the North Carolina governor lost his race for re-election. So you look at those three states. She wasn't going to win Ohio, and she just didn't reach out to the people but, you know, that could have carried over the top. It was it was a poorly run campaign. Robbie Mook should never run a national campaign again. And kudos to Kellyanne Conway. She she did it right. She focused on it as much as you might find her annoying I, um, or not her annoying. Well. She uh, she ran a remarkable campaign for Donald Trump. And you know I think the key was if he if he hadn't hired her, he would have lost. If anybody thinks that Donald Trump would have won without Kellyanne Conway, they are just flat out wrong. Think about who was the previous campaign guy, you know, the one who worked for the Russians? Um, but that all proved to be nothing. That, that well, no, that, not, not, not proved to be nothing. Mono, the re, the uh, reality uh, is Manafort. Manafort. He wasn't running this campaign. But Trump was running the campaign, and, and Kellyanne Conway went in there, and really, she did. Look, she managed second, Trump. It was fantastic. You, you, gotta, you, you, know, you don't want to give the devil his due, I don't think, either. Um, who hired her? No, Trump. I mean, like you said, that yeah, Trump. Is, Trump finally is, listened to somebody. He wasn't no. listening to Manafort, he, and he uh, listened to Kellyanne Conway because she was strong enough to do it. And he hired her. If he hires those kinds of people as president, I think he's going to have a great presidency. Well, I, I think he's moving in that direction. I am concerned about a couple know, of his picks, but, but you know, when 
what's her name? Uh, the niece of uh, Martin Luther King, Alveda. Alveda. Uh, you got King. me on this one. Uh, she came now. She she's been on the station before. Oh, I don't know. I didn't know she had Alveda. Yeah, and uh, she's quite a spokesman for the Martin Luther King mm-hmm. Foundation uh-huh. or whatever it is, and she has come out totally in support of Trump and of Sessions, and she said all of this stuff about Sessions being such a, a KKK and, and all of that is baloney. He was the one that brought suit against him. Oh, Alabama. I know. He crushed He crushed the KKK in Alabama. But, David, there is a reason a Republican-controlled Senate denied him a federal judgeship when he was appointed by Ronald Reagan. There was a reason they did that. And it wasn't because he was not a nice guy. That was 20-some odd It was 30 years ago. 30 years okay, and, and, and you know, look, if you can believe that uh, Senator Byrd could change, then I guess you can believe that uh, Jeff Sessions can change. My opposition to Jeff Sessions is not the fact that some people may think he's racist. My opposition to him is he is an anti-immigrant. And that is, that is as plain today as it ever was. I wrote a blog about Jeff Sessions, and my fear of a Trump presidency was Jeff Sessions, not necessarily Donald Trump, because Jeff Sessions is owned, bought, and paid for by the Center for Immigration Studies, Numbers USA, and uh, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, which are all Tanton-based organizations, which are not anti-illegal immigration. I'm not talking about nobody likes illegal immigration, okay? He's anti-legal immigration. You know... David, it, this it is this is record stuff. I, I got this sheet where you said Hillary. I, I, I did. Know, so, I did. But and, this, and I, I think before everything. And I was right oh, that day. Well, I wasn't that, right that on election day. 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 <laughs> it's the end of the race that counts. It's exactly not the right. Middle of the race. Exactly right. And I think that's the same thing. Uh, uh, Sessions should be given initially the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I don't. I don't disagree, but I think I think he will be confirmed. I don't have any doubt that he'll be confirmed, um, because the Republicans control. Now, here's interesting. It's fifty-one forty-nine, right, in the Senate. Is that how it ended up? Because um, the Vermont, the, the Vermont, Vermont or New Hampshire went to Democrats. Oh, your Sa- Sanders boy decided he'd go back to being independent. Oh, because he, he was never he went my boy. He was never a Democrat. It's hilarious. The Democrats are like, oh, he didn't get a fair shake. He wasn't a Democrat. He wasn't a Democrat before. He's not a Democrat now. So it's 51-49. So um, Sessions can't vote for himself, right? Right. So now it's 50-49. So if, if one Republican senator says, hmm, yeah, I don't really like Jeff Sessions. He didn't get confirmed. But I mean, you may have two or three Democrats. Maybe, maybe so. Okay. You've got, uh, who's the dude from West Virginia? You know what I'm talking about. From yeah. Manchin, Joe Manchin. Uh, but it's interesting. I mean, I think ultimately Jeff, I think it's going to be close. I think it'll be like 53-47 or something like that. Senators don't like to vote against their friends, you know, because they realize if they vote against him, he's still a senator, right? So they're going to go, devil I know, devil I don't know. Okay, do I want him out of here? If I get him out of here, if he's gone, it's only four years. Okay, I'll vote for him. So let's say Sessions gets good. And I just did a newspaper interview on this, on Jeff Sessions. You know, the reality is if he brings with him the baggage of his anti-immigration statements, position, and beliefs, it's going to be a long four years to the Department of Justice on immigration for lawyers. Uh, that said, we've already dealt with that. We did it the first four years of the Bush administration under Ashcroft and Chris Kobach. You know, lawyers will live through this, and, and, and our clients will live through it. 
<clears throat> and I think America will live through it because we I don't think eight years of something worse than Jeff Sessions. So uh, maybe you have, um, uh, but at the same time, uh, do I think he's the best pick for Attorney General? No, I don't. I think there's far better qualified Republican attorney generals out there that would be fantastic. Um, but it's, if that's what he wants to do, it's what he wants to do. More power to him. Um, at the same time, uh, I think he is. I think Trump's made a couple other good picks. Now, I have to ask you this, David, because I want to get your impression. I've got my belief about this. Mitt Romney. Okay, That must have been, one, a very awkward conversation <laughs> to start with. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but do you really believe... Really, that he would consider Mitt Romney to be Secretary of State? Really? You know, I, I can't honestly answer you. I don't know. I, I'm i not a Mitt Romney fan. No, but you didn't just no. jump out and say, of course he would. You know, she didn't do that either, right? You're like, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think Mitt, I think Mitt's got great qualifications. I don't think that's true. I think to be Secretary of State, you should have some real international experience, really. Now, Mitt lived in France for three years as a missionary a long time ago, and I'm sure he's traveled extensively throughout the world. Um, but it's not like there's staples open in every country, for goodness sakes. I mean, it's not like he's an expert on foreign affairs. I would love to see an expert on foreign affairs. Now, you know who comes to mind, of course, is Bolton, right? A lot of people don't like John Bolton. Um, a lot of people don't like John Bolton. I am, I am to like him. But, he, but he's got great policy experience. You might not like that policy experience, but he's got great experience on that. Uh, and I think there are a couple other people that would be equally qualified for that position. So I think he's dragging out Mitt. I think it's more of a public humiliation time where it is anything else. Um, uh, you know, but I, I, maybe I, Trump's not like that. I, he didn't get that pressure during the campaign. I, uh, I sit back and talk to friends uh, and you and our friends. We're talking. Uh, we don't agree on everything, but we but, um, you know, I kept looking at Trump the whole time and saying, you know, he has an extraordinary ability of, of knowing how to delegate. He clearly he, knows how to delegate. And uh, he obviously... Except for one thing, Twitter. He's really bad delegating Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, he's used... Did you see his uh, YouTube this morning? I have watched the YouTube. Yeah, I watched the YouTube video. Yeah. Um, and his first hundred days. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about that because he mentioned well, immigration one time in that. We're going to talk well, about that. Well, you're throwing again, throwing rocks at him. To I haven't thrown any rocks at the guy uh, since he's been elected, mostly. But <laughs> you know, at the same token, the people were throwing rocks at him. You know, he keeps using Twitter. He'll never get elected and all that. Well, you know, the guy. Well, he certainly knows how to deflect because he uses Twitter to say, hey, squirrel, squirrel, look over there, squirrel. Oh, yeah, ignore the $25 million I paid to settle a $150 million lawsuit uh, on Trump University fraud. You know, people go, oh, it's just a little bit of fraud, but it didn't really matter. You know, if really, if Hillary had settled a $25 million lawsuit a week after getting elected as President of the United States, they would start impeachment hearings in the House oh. the next day. Oh, my God, David. Yes, they would. Let's not get ourselves yeah, they got enough on Hillary. If they were going to do it, they'd do it now. And, and I've got to ask you the last question because I know we've got to go to break here in a second. I've got to ask you a question on this. So Trump announced this morning not going to pursue anything against the Clintons. No. Just going to shut no, it down. No, no, no he did. This no, morning I, he did. I, but you... 
Nothing, you, no special prosecutors. Let, it, let sleeping dogs lie, and there it goes. On what has been presented at this point. There's um, no more. He's going to... There's nothing. The, Trump, the Clintons politically are dead. He should not waste a single moment worrying about that family I think, again. I think what we're going to find is is that in two months, three months, or whenever the AG is really in and established, that uh, the foundation will be brought up. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Write that down. I don't think so. You know, the reality is, why do that? Unless you're trying to distract from something. If you really want to move America forward, this is why I say about immigration all the time, why are we focused on the undocumented? That's the past. That we can deal with. Let's focus on the future. If he really wants to move the country forward, it's look at the future. I bet you dollars to donuts that they get invited to his next wedding. The, the only place that I faulted Trump throughout the whole campaign was mm-hmm. that to have a wife that looked like that and be away from her that much would be, he'd be crazy, in my opinion. But that's, that's <laughs> well, apparently that's, that's going to continue for the next several months at least. So, yeah, Well, whatever. Um, By the way, I want to tell you a little story about uh, about Melania and what a good mother she is and uh, how the kid's being raised. Barron apparently plays soccer, like a kid, like any 10-year-old. I have a good friend uh, who's been on this show previously, Cyrus Mehta, who referees kid soccer in New York City. Sure enough, one day he's refereeing a game. There's Barron Trump, and there's Melania sideline cheering her son on. You know, so the reality is she's a really good mother. Uh, she cares about her son. Uh, I'm not sure she cares about her husband. But she certainly cares about her son a great deal. Uh, and, you know, I can't imagine. That kid has always looked, when I see him in the, in the videos, he always looks shell-shocked. Like, why am I out here? I don't want to really be out here. He is definitely not like his siblings, as near as I can tell. Well, no, I, w- I want to. Good for him. There, There is a person in this building that I, I'm not going to identify, but. We were talking about it right after the election, and I said, well, did you vote for your girlfriend? And uh, I know he was very conservative. And he said, you know, of course not. But he said, you know, I couldn't help but vote for Trump because I know him. Mm-hmm. I know his son, uh, Donald Trump Jr. Mm-hmm. They met through a, a college friend, got to be friends, and I don't know whether it's three or four of them, but they get together every year. And he said, you know, Donald Trump, Junior, he said, obviously he's worth God knows how much, but that's not that we just meet. We're friends, you know. He mm-hmm. may not have ten bucks on him, and you know they'll pick up the tab for lunch or something, or you know. But he they walk in and they they just they go fishing or do something every year. Mm-hmm. The three or four of them, and he said that he is just a nice guy. Yeah, I mean, and Trump you, is clear. Even Hillary have, said that, right? Even Hillary you, said, your kids. you can't have a family like that. You can't have parents, Donald or anybody. You look at the troubles today, and it's because they have crappy parents. Mm-hmm. And you look at, at supportive kids like the Trumps have been, and you got to figure Donald... Donald done something right going along the line. Yeah, I mean, he's been a good, 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 good parent at least at some point. Uh, let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, abogado y jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Llámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano o tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar 
¿Qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración? Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611. 404-816-8611. O visítenos por el internet a www.immigration.net. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200 or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, a little earlier you mentioned Donald Trump's uh, video, uh, his video production on uh, uh, Facebook Live or wherever, YouTube, wherever he put it uh, yesterday. And as you know, he campaigned on immigration. Immigration was the very first issue that he campaigned on. And that first issue was that Mexico was sending rapists to America and we were going to build this big, beautiful wall with a big door in it. He's kind of Reagan-esque door in the middle of his, of his door. So yesterday I listened intently to the two-and-a-half-minute video of the things he's going to do in the first hundred days, and there was one mention of immigration in there. Oddly enough, he did not mention canceling DACA. He did not mention going out and rounding up people. He did not mention building a wall. He mentioned that he was going to ask the Department of Labor to investigate all the visa programs for for abuses that would lead to them not immigrants taking jobs from Americans or something like that. That was I found that fascinating, David. Well, but here's why. But you answered your own question. Was I haven't asked a question yet. Well, you answered your own question. I haven't Go asked ahead. a question yet. Go ahead. So what I found fascinating about this, one is he asked the Department of Labor to do this, not Homeland Security, one. And we don't even know who the Homeland Secu- Home Labor Secretary will be at this point. Uh, two, it presumes, the question presumes, that there is either fraud and or abuse of the programs in which jobs are taken from Americans under current law. And we know that's not the case. I mean, every lawsuit that's been filed on an issue has been tossed out on its ear. So I'm, I'm really curious to see the direction that this program goes because if there is, in fact, abuses under the current law, then the Department of Labor and or Homeland Security should do investigations immediately and, and find people and do whatever's learned. But here's the problem. While there clearly are instances isolated near as we can tell of abuses under law and the Obama administration has done I think a pretty good job of going after these people that do this I think what they're looking for 
is a needle in a haystack or a mountain out of a molehill. There are ways to do this which would be much more effective rather than looking at what, every single visa? Keep in mind, it was the Bush administration and then really the Obama administration that doubled down on what they, what's called the FDNS, the Fraud Detection National Security Unit within the USCIS. And they do site visits on work visa programs, H's and L's, to make sure that the people are actually working in those jobs. And if they're not, they revoke the visas. Uh, now, interestingly, I have a client recently that had a site visit for one of these people. And um, it turns up that the individual was not there that day, just literally was out sick that day. Yet we got a rev- revocation notice saying, hey, he's not working there. No, he working there. He was just sick that day. And here's the evidence of that. And we got it unredone and got it taken care of. There's a lot of inclarity in immigration law. And to do an investigation like he's suggesting hopefully requires somebody who actually knows immigration law. So I'm really curious, since we know who the AG will likely be, who Homeland Security will be. I hope it's not Chris Kobach, because that would be a terrible thing. Or who the Department of Labor person will be. But what's striking to me is how he did not make his campaign promises something he's going to do in the first 100 days. But again, you answered your own question. So how did I answer my own question? What is my question? What I'm going to do in the first 100 days. Right. He addressed that. He can't, by law, build a wall or do anything else. Oh, no, but he can cancel the DACA program. It, it was it uh, strictly uh, uh, executive order? Yep, he could cancel. He well, that's just why wouldn't he say that? You know, I, I can't. Here, I, can't I have I have a theory myself. on that actually. Why he didn't say that? I'm not. I mean, while I believe he will cancel it, maybe he's thinking otherwise. A lot of pressure is coming to bear on the Trump campaign people, the transition team. Say, look at this. There's 750,000 kids that are beneficiary of it, now between the ages of 15 and 33. They have bought houses. They have bought cars. They've been working. They've been paying taxes. They've been going to school. Uh, Who have they harmed? He did say, though, as I recall, that in the first 100 days, he was going to get as many of the undocumented criminals... Yeah. Picked up and yeah, a little problem. Yeah, as long as you're throwing well, things out. How about the. But, but, your, but, but, your, but hold on, hold on. I, the only problem with that, not really a problem, Obama's already been doing that. But so it's not really a change in any policy right now. Obama's effectively and aggressively doing that. I mean, literally, ICE is showing up at people's houses at six in the morning who have a 17 year old DUI. And they're undocumented. They've been here like 20 years. They have a 17 year old DUI and arresting them. That happens every single day, David. I don't. I don't think that's what he's going. No, no, no. That is what he's going to do, David. That, that's that's because that's the only way to find these criminal aliens that are out there. The idea that there's a million undocumented immigrants sitting in jails that have killed people is just simply just not true. As a, you have to look a, at every type of criminal behavior, from murder to DUI, traffic violations. If and even then. Maybe you get to half a million people. Maybe. Do you, do you think? So, well, you, you're defending Obama, and, and no, I'm, and I'm not defending Obama. Immig- I'm just saying Obama's been doing the and, same thing. And his immigration. So, if they're so effective, how did they lose a hundred thousand green cards? 
Oh, I love that you brought up that story. I love that you brought up that story. Uh, is that a new problem? I have no idea. I'm oh, you see, this is the problem with facts when you don't know them. Not a, not a new problem. David, does the post office deliver all the mail? No, they have postmen that dump it off. In the, okay. The so the what's your answer? I have no idea. Exactly. See, that's the problem. You see, nobody, everybody wants to complain about it, but nobody has an answer. In fact, mail gets lost every day, and green cards literally get lost in the mail. They just get lost in the mail. 100,000? David, they send, there's 35 million people that have green cards at some point or another. So having a 0.03% of the mail loss is like, okay, again, relevance, looking at the grand number, looking at the percentage as opposed to the actual number. Uh, I've had clients had green cards that didn't come in the mail. And do you know what they do? What I, you know what CIS does, by the way, David? They make you repay for them. Do you know how much it costs to replace your green card? If Just a card. Any idea? $500. You have to give immigration $500 so they can issue a new card that they lost in the first place. And they didn't lose it. You know where it is? It got stolen. Out of the mailbox or by the mailman or it's in a dumpster somewhere or... Or it's just stuck behind, you know, the driver's seat of some van somewhere. I mean, this stuff happens all the time. Now, I actually have a cure to this, but nobody wants to listen to me. Make them come pick it up. Make people come pick them up. People listen to you all the time. Yeah, nobody listens to me, David. Maybe when I'm a U.S. congressman, listen to me. Okay, your green card's approved. Please come to the office to pick it up. There you go. Much just like you, they don't mail you your driver's license, do they? They used to do anymore. You got to you got to go in person now, because you got to show you're an American at least here in Georgia. Oh. So you can't renew by mail anymore. You used to renew by mail. You don't renew. Oh, by you mail can't renew them. You renew them, but I think they do mail them to you. Uh, no, you, you literally so do they, them right there. I know they. Uh, they used carry, to do that. Carry license. They, uh, the what? Mail carry license. Oh yeah, but you, you got to go in person to get your driver's license. So make people come pick them up. Now here's the only problem with that, David. For example, the Atlanta office of USCIS services Alabama and Georgia. So if you're down in Mobile and you've come up for your interview, okay, six weeks later, you have your cards here, 12 hours round trip to get your green card. That's why you mail stuff, okay? Uh, or my alternative solution, <laughs> let, let Amazon deliver them. Yeah. <laughs> let Amazon deliver them. Uh, yeah. I'm paying $500 for it. Why can't you pay Amazon 12 bucks to get it to me? UPS or FedEx? Yeah, really, why is it not UPS sending this stuff? They, they don't send them certified mail, David. They just literally put them in the mail. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, so, yeah, I'm as troubled by anything else with that. But that's not an Obama administration problem. That's a, that's an incompetence at the USCIS, which has existed since INS has been around. I mean, overall government incompetence, I don't attribute to a president. I mean, that, there's nothing a president's going to do about the freaking mail process at the USCIS. Well, that's just incompetence. to see if, uh, if Trump does do something about and how far-reaching he goes. And that uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure somebody will tell him about the... Uh, the post office and uh, oh, I don't think he's ever going to even hear about that. But here's the thing: a what has la- what has been lacking at the USCIS. This is one thing I do like about Trump a lot uh, is his position on civil servants. Uh, every day I, I get a newsletter every day, uh, which is called the Government Executive Newsletter. Basically, it's sent out to executives within the federal government about what the government policies are on this or that. And the article was "Bad News for Civil Servants" was the title of the article. Because Trump may actually do what every other president in the GOP has promised to do for a very long time, which is not necessarily to get, not to get rid of the civil service, but to let you be able to fire people who just stink at their job. 
Think about this. If government could run in that respect like a business, where you could get rid of people who aren't good and pay them the same types of wages they would get in the private sector, maybe you would open up a better federal government. Now, the theory of federal government is you pay them a little bit more because the job is more stressful or whatever. You want them around longer. You want people with memory in the federal government. You want them there. But I, I think the one benefit that can come from a Trump presidency is overhauling the ability to fire people and make it easier to file bad apples and bad employees. David, you put the right person in charge of USCIS, you could make an amazing number of changes that could make that agency far, far more efficient and better run than it is today. Uh, I'm not putting my name in for that job, by the way, but I think that it could be a, it would be a remarkably better run agency with a, with a smart person at the helm that knew how to run a service-oriented business. They knew how to run a service-oriented business. Remarkable. We'll take a break here on Immigration on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. We've been talking about Donald Trump's immigration plans, of which the only one we know so far is to investigate visa programs that might take jobs from Americans. Um, on the DACA program, we, we've all assumed that he would end DACA immediately, and yet, oddly enough, he did not say that in his video. Now, maybe it's just too minuscule and too much of a minutia. Um, and we have, of course, been advising our clients, David, that if you have DACA, uh, and you are expiring in the next five months, you should renew that now. You should file the renewal now, and maybe maybe it will be renewed by January uh, 20th. When is inauguration? The 20th? 21st? Something like that. Uh, but uh, if you are, have never applied for DACA before, not to waste your money, because the presumption is he's going to do it the program. But there has been more and more pressure. Yesterday, 90 universities and colleges sent a letter to Trump asking him not to uh, to undo DACA. And, David, we're going forward with our lawsuit on, on in-state tuition on December 1st on the theory 
that uh, DACA kids are still going to be around and should be entitled to pay in-state tuition here in Georgia. Um, so we're excited for that lawsuit. We've, we're filing our final brief today on that issue. Uh, and going forward, looking forward to our, our position on this. Um, we, David, we're also very excited um, um, to think about um, – uh, well, excited is probably a bad word uh, – concerned about how uh, the idea of Trump deporting people you, – you mentioned earlier he's going to go out and arrest people, right? He's going to deport the bad people. Um, where do you think he's going to find these bad people, David? He's, he's two – and he very casually said two – Oh, three million. Like there's an extra million people he forgot about out there. Where do you think he's going to find two million undocumented immigrants with criminal convictions? You're going to tell us. No, I have no idea where he's going to find them. I, they, they don't exist. So I'm just going to be curious if you think you might know where it is or you think he might know where they are because um, they don't exist. Uh, the best estimates that I've seen are of the 11 million that are here maybe a half a million have some sort of encounter with the criminal justice system with a very small percentage of those being felonies of some kind. The vast majority would be misdemeanors, might be shoplifting, they might be petty theft, they might be some sort of simple battery, uh, might be domestic violence, it might be DUI, uh, but all misdemeanor level offenses. Now they're all of those, except for DUI, are deportable. That's not kidding. I mean, if you want to you know, deport somebody, you can do that. Uh, but the idea that he's going to pick people up and literally bring them to the border, that's what people are afraid of. That's just not possible. That's not how the system works. Um, the president can't literally ignore the due process guarantees of the Constitution, federal law, and federal regulation that pertain to every person. Keep in mind, the um, fourth... Fifth and Sixth Amendments apply to any person, not to any citizen. So any person in the United States, so anybody physically here is a person, uh, and some corporations as well, to harken back to Mitt Romney. Corporations are people. I'm just, okay, whatever you got right there. Um, and so let's say he goes out on inauguration, the day of inauguration, and ICE starts going out with their squads to just ask you, show me your papers, please. Not that they would do that. I don't think they would, and they can't, literally. But let's say, okay, you don't have any papers? Come with us. So what, how does the process work? Let's walk through individually what happens. So there's going to be two types of people. Let's, let's say, David, three types of people in, in the immigrant community that we're talking about. One is the purely undocumented. That means literally they have nothing. They came in without papers or they overstayed a visa. Take a step back. There's four types of people. Okay, they overstayed a visa, like a visitor visa. That person, if they have been here longer than ten years, and have a child here, or a spouse, or a parent, they will go to the ICE office. ICE will issue what's called a notice to appear, which is like a charging document or an indictment, saying, "Hey, you came on this date. You overstayed your visa, or you came in illegally, and you're deportable for the following reason: you overstayed your visa, which is a deportable ground, or you entered illegally, another, another excludable ground." And they serve the person. Now, at that point. If the person has no criminal convictions, no, no arrest whatsoever, uh, ICE could detain them, but they only have X number of beds. And, and right now that number is around 35 or 40,000 beds. Okay? And that person is not a flight risk, not a danger to the community, probably working. We're going to let you go, and here's your court date. 
much like you would if you arrested somebody for some minor violation and you go to court and you give a you release on your own recognizance. Much the same thing. That person, oddly enough, will then be able to apply for a work permit. Okay, that's that's one. We'll get back to them in a second. The next type of person, number two, is somebody who came in under what's called the visa waiver program or the ESTA program. That's uh, one where we don't, there are certain countries from whom we do not require a visa. So if you're British, you can just literally get on a plane. Well, not you get on a plane anymore. You have to fill out the online and you get a little form and then you come to America and you can stay for 90 days. But when you do that, if you overstay 90 days, you have already agreed by using that program instead of a regular visa, you've agreed to be deported without a hearing. So that's t- type two. You rest, you, they encounter somebody like that. Those people, they can literally put on an airplane without any due process because you've waived your due process rights. Now, that said, every flight to Europe is full. Uh, they probably release that person under recognizance or maybe detain them. But probably if they have no criminal convictions, they would just probably let them go and say, come back on a certain date with your ticket and you'll be gone from the country. I third type of person, an undocumented immigrant who has a criminal conviction, whether that be for murder or rape or sexual assault or for shoplifting or DUI, right? Any type of criminal violation of any kind under the current Obama policy is considered either a priority one or a priority two deportation. My guess is that may change a little bit. But probably not a lot. Those people from the felony side will certainly be put in detention. They will be issued a notice to appear, be put in detention, even if they have 10 years in the U.S., even if they have U.S. citizenship. Now, if your only crime is a DUI, for example, and you have been in the country for 10 years, and you've got kids or a spouse or a parent who's a U.S. citizen, you can apply for relief. You can also apply for bond. All right, so you'll probably have to go to a judge, probably get bond, and then you'll wait your find your next court hearing to present your case to the judge. That's type three. Now, of those that have terrible convictions, felony convictions, they're not getting bond. They typically are barred from relief. Any felony conviction will typically bar you from relief based upon hardship to your kids or your spouse, uh, and their only relief would be asylum or withholding what they call asylum withholding of removal they will probably likely be placed in detention. They're going to fill up those beds that ICE has. Keep in mind, remember one of our old discussions about the mandatory detention bed space that they must keep in jail a certain number every night by federal law? So they have no problem meeting that right now. Obama has met that criteria for months now without a problem. That's how effective Obama's been in literally going out and getting people. Obama, Trump even, even said people don't give Obama the credit he deserves because he's deported 3 million people. All right, And the fourth type of person is the type of person that came into the country with papers or actually has a green card or has a valid visa and has committed a crime. David, those people will also be arrested and put in detention and go through the process I just talked about. So of those four types of people, there's two different types of courts. One for the courts for the non-detained and another court for the detained. And if you look at these two types of courts, the detained courts are typically in detention centers, and the non-detained courts are typically in bigger cities. The detention centers, for example, here in Georgia, we have both Irwin, which is 
does not have judges present, so they hear judges by telephone from Atlanta or video. And we have judges in person in Stewart, which has a maximum capacity of 1,600 people and, and turns out thousands of cases a year uh, on immigration. If I have somebody who is detained in Stewart because they are a criminal alien and they are afraid to go back to their home country of the Congo, for example, it was going to take them about five to seven months in detention before they're going to have a final hearing on their case. The vast majority of people will, by month two, say, I'm out of here. I don't care what happens to me back home. I'm tired of eating frijoles and and rice every day with bologna sandwiches for lunch. I'm out of here. Uh, and they give up. And that these detention centers are designed to make people to give up when they say, okay, your hearing is going to be in six or seven months from now. For the non-detained people, this is where the big problem is. There are currently over one half of a million pending immigration deportation cases. Over half a million. There are 250 judges, more or less, of immigration in the United States. With some more on their way, but not very many. So if you do that math, David, that's about $2,000, 2,000 cases a judge. Okay, 2,000 cases a judge. The judges can average... The best judges are averaging 1,200 cases a year, the best judges that they can get through. I mean, no federal court judge here is even a tenth that many cases. I mean, it's an enormous amount of work that these are doing. Um, To get through the backlog, if no new cases got added, it would take them a couple years to get through the backlog. But every day, 1,000 more cases get added. So if Trump says, hey, we're going to dump 2 million people into the system, and let's say a million of them are going to be non-detained. You're looking at a four- to six-year program before they even have a final hearing. So this idea that Trump is going to physically deport two million people in his first 100 days or in his first four years in office is simply not true. It's not going to happen. One, two, all of that, all of that work, David, depends on money cash, dollars from the U.S. Congress. And Obama and ICE have made this clear. ICE has been allocated enough money to deport about 400,000 people a year. That's what they have. Now, Congress can come back and say, ICE, we're going to triple your budget. We're going to give you, you know, $27 billion instead of $9 billion. So now you can deport 1.2 million people a year if that's even feasible, because you still got a judge problem. And how do you hire enough qualified judges to hear these cases? And then, David, it's not about the judges. Then you've got to find places to put the judges. Then you've got to hire the support staff of the judges. You're talking about increasing the size of the federal government, not decreasing it. So you have this dichotomy where the government's too big, except in the areas where we don't want it to be too big. And that's why this idea of deporting everybody makes no sense. And Trump, I think, gets it at this point. I mean, uh, when we come back on our next section, we're going to talk about the Trump chances for reform going forward. But he understands that even deporting two to three million people, it's going to take several years, even if we can get that money. And some of them are going to qualify to stay in the United States. But that doesn't stop the communities, the immigrant communities, from being terrified, literally terrified, that Trump is going to come in to their house at five in the morning uh, with his hair flapping in the breeze and arrest them. And one of the things we tell clients is that 
uh, and people that aren't our clients about immigration law is that as immigrants, you enjoy every right that every other person in the U.S. enjoys. You do not have to open your door when somebody knocks on it unless they have a warrant. Uh, you don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to talk to the police. You, can, you have a right to remain silent. You have a right to counsel. And if you exercise those rights properly, you are fully within your bounds of law to do so. It doesn't mean you're not going to be deported, but it may mean it increases your chances for staying in the United States. Let's take a break here, a final break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the final segment on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, I promised we were going to talk about uh, the things that uh, uh, could happen as far as immigration reform under a Trump administration. Because people have asked me about this, and I think, well, you know, Trump is going to try to deport everybody. And actually... Uh, don't think that's true. I really don't think that's true. Um, and uh, I think, really, uh, Trump may be a catalyst for actual immigration reform in the Congress. A couple things happened during the election that were fascinating in this regard. As you know, there were 25 U.S. senators, Republicans, uh, seats that were open for, uh, for uh, re-election. Uh, 17 of those guys won and gals 16 of them ran on a pro-immigration reform legalization platform Republicans so clearly there is a majority in the U.S. Senate that would vote in favor of some sort of program that would fix the past problems in immigration which are undocumented immigrants and deal affirmatively with legal immigration going forward. That's one. That was a fascinating fact. I just I did not know that. I don't follow Senate races in every state, but I thought that was fascinating uh, to think about the fact that the Senate could be that way. Now, in the House, you have a speaker, and I know you're very excited to have Paul Ryan back as speaker. I support Paul Ryan. I think he, I think he's a terrific guy. Um, on the immigration issue, he is affirmative. 
uh, he believes that there should be some sort of legalization program. You notice, David, I talk about legalization, not citizenship, because there's a difference there. A path to legality is what's needed, not necessarily a path to citizenship. Let's deal with the citizenship issue later. Path to legality, which we've, you and I have talked about for years here on the Immigration Hour, that people conflate the two, and it's, it's wrong to conflate the two. Path to legality. Get people to be legal. They want a driver's license and a, and a, and a work card. Everything else we we'll worry about later. So Paul Ryan is in favor of that. Uh, the Democrats picked up a couple extra seats, right? They, what's it, 190 to 225 or something like that? I think that's the number. I forget how the numbers work. Um, so uh, there is a group of hardcore anti-immigration people in, this, in the House. But if Paul Ryan were now free not to use the Hastert rule, and the Senate began a process of immigration reform discussions, I think you could see Trump signing basically any piece of legislation that's pro-immigration on it. Now, that doesn't mean that's you're going to get all that. David, there is actually, whether you know it or not, there's actually going to be an immigration debate on December before December 9th. Do you know why? There are four immigration laws uh, that expired October 1st. And prior to October 1st, Congress did what it always does and kicked the can down the road. And they extended these four programs to December 9th. David, they are what's called the the Regional Center Immigrant Investor Program. This is the program where you can basically take a million dollars or half a million dollars, create a U.S. business or participate in a U.S. business, create 10 jobs, and get a green card. Okay. Some people say you're buying a green card, but if you're creating 10 jobs, I don't really care what they call it. All right? That's called the, regional, called the Regional Center EB-5 program. The second program that expired and is currently on extension is what's called the Religious Worker Program. So if you're a religious worker, you can get a green card if you meet certain criteria. And there's nothing bad about that program. It just always continues. Third is what's called the Conrad 30 program. David, you know we have a shortage of physicians in rural America. I mean, I'm sure you're aware of that. Uh, so this Conrad 30 program basically is every state gets 30 what they call waivers for foreign doctors who typically graduated from U.S. medical schools, okay? Uh, but typically, because they went to medical school in the U.S., we have to go home for two years to whatever country they're from. It gives them the right to stay in the United States in one of these 30 slots in each state and work in that state for five years, and they get a green card. It's a good program, right? You're keeping rural America staff with doctors. A perfectly good use of the, of the program. The last program I know you've heard of. So these, these first three are all beneficial to the immigrant. The last program is the one that I think will be initially harmful, but ultimately beneficial, and that's E-Verify. You know what E-Verify is, right? E-Verify is essentially a national ID program. Uh, E-Verify expired October 1st. Extended through November 9th, uh, December 9th. Now, E-Verify, as it currently exists, is voluntary unless you are a U.S. government contractor. If you're a U.S. government contractor, you must be in it. In addition, a number of states, like Georgia, have mandated E-Verify usage for all employers, depending on size. For example, in Georgia, if you have more than 10 employees, you must be an E-Verify employer. You must E-Verify. Now, the rule... Except for government contractors. So let's say in Georgia, I have, I'm an E-Verify employer. I can only use E-Verify when I enroll for new employees. 
I am not allowed by federal law to use E-Verify to, re- to go to my current workforce and check their status. I can't do that. It's against the law. Government imp- contractors must do that. Okay, but I, if you're not a government contractor, you can't do it. So it's a, you break the law if you do that. These four programs by December 9th will be voted on and will be extended to March, maybe April. All right? Because Obama will sign the extension, but he will not sign anything that substantively changes the programs. All right? So now let's look at March, April, when they, when they consider what changes can we expect in E-Verify? Let's start with E-Verify. I believe that E-Verify will become mandatory. Much like the I-9, it will be mandatory for every employer in America, and it will be mandatorily required to E-Verify your current workforce. That is my prediction. You can write it down. I've been terribly wrong in the past, as you know. E-Verify will become mandatory across the board. All these state laws will be gone. They'll be overridden. E-Verify comes into effect. Two, Conrad 30 will stay... Yes, David? Is that good or bad? Uh, initially, it's bad, and here's why. It's good and it's bad initially. Um, let's say I go to... I work at... I own a restaurant, okay? And I, if you're here in Georgia, you own a restaurant, you've got Latino workers. That's just the nature of the beast. Uh, and you've got your I-9s. You've I-9'd all these guys and gals that work for you. But you suspect... Things you've heard, you know, maybe that's not really Juan. Maybe his name's Miguel. And you don't really really know, but you kind of protected yourself because you have an I-9. Now you go E-Verify and you find out Juan is Miguel and he can't work for you. Bam. So a lot of people are going to lose their jobs initially. At the same time, it then, it then makes employers, if they're really using the program and doing it correctly, immune from fines. I mean, if you're using E-Verify and you've done it right, you, there's no fine against you. If you, You're hiring legal workers. No, I'm not. I, I E-Verify them. I mean, I, I've told you the story before of the chicken processing plant that was using E-Verify, and it turned out a, a third of the people that used E-Verify were illegal. They were undocumented. Why? The system was bad. The system's still not that good. I mean, it's still not perfect. So you got a situation where, yeah, initially there'll be harm uh, against the employee and the employer, but in the long run... It'll be good for everybody. And I've always believed that E-Verify would only be positively effective if, it's, if at the same time you had a legal work program for people who used to be undocumented who could then say, okay, I've been working here. Here's my tax returns. Here's my life. Okay, in, in return for you coming yourself in, we're going to give you a temporary work permit. Great. There you go. This way it doesn't negatively impact U.S. business. So that's why I think it's good and it's bad. On the issue of... Um, the Conrad 30, the doctors, I think that's not going to go away. That's too important a program for rural America that will stay around. And every state has rural areas, so I think it's good for everybody. Third, the religious worker program, there's no reason not to, not to extend it. It doesn't make any sense. Although, David, name the program with the highest rate of fraud in the immigration system. Religious worker program. Yes, David, it's true. Are you struck by the irony at all of that? Uh, massive problem. Uh, and then finally, the idea of um, EB-5s. EB-5s are going to change dramatically. Uh, you're going to see the 500000 minimum go to 800000 You're see the million-dollar minimum go up to 1.2 to 1.5. <coughs> you're going to see much more oversight of the program, which is good. I mean, the program needs an ethical overhauling. 
needs ethical oversight by the government. You know, the government's not good at a lot of things, David, but the government's necessary for a lot of things, including oversight of programs in which money is involved in. And they have been extraordinarily lax in the EB-5 program. So I think these four programs will be the start of an immigration reform discussion in a Trump presidency, which may lead before next July, July 2018, to an immigration reform bill. Now, of course, nothing passes before July 2018. Nothing's going to pass. And then we will see where Democrats really lie. Not lie in telling the truth, but where they, where they lay. Better, 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 better word. Where they lay. Where they is. Where they is. Um, do they really favor immigration reform, or do they favor the dangling carrot? Now, here's where the Republicans, and I've been saying this for years, David, many immigrants are natural Republicans. They're natural. But they have literally been chased away by the rhetoric of certain people in the party. You can bring in an entire generation of immigrants, the GOP could, by having an effective immigration reform bill, an effective plan that doesn't demonize people, that doesn't destroy lives, but which protects America and its economy. Okay, i got to ask, so sure. your buddy, that, that I know you all are close, because uh, you went to school in a state close to him, and your buddy in California says, okay, whether they're legal or illegal or documented or undocumented, they can vote, uh, you know, and even if they get Who, the who ID, are you talking about? Yeah, your buddy that's governor of California. Jerry Brown is like 30 years older than I am, dude. He's like your age. <laughs> but he's still No, a voting is for, but, is for... But let me ask my question. Yeah. Okay, so we come in and we we don't give them citizenship, right? But we give them a legal status of some sort, mm-hmm. and they can go get their driver's license. Right. So all you have to do to vote is bring your driver's license in and show that. No, no, on, no, no. Is on that driver's license, is it going to say undocumented? No. Why that? would it do that, David? I mean, the reality okay. is you don't need. You're conflating two things here: voting and immigration. You have a problem with the voting system? Fix the voting system. It has nothing to do with immigration. I have never met an immigrant in 27 years of practice who voted when they weren't supposed to. Never. You know the number of people they've deported for voting illegally in the United States? you have any idea what that number is? I don't either. You know why? Because it's irrelevantly small. Are there dumb people that do stuff? Oh, yeah, I thought I could vote. Yeah. I was in an interview once for citizenship. You ever voted? Yes, I voted. I mean, the examiner looked at the woman and she says, yeah, I voted in a union election. Okay, that's different. You conflated two things there, David, and you, you failed to get the point here. The point is this. There is a way to fix this. And maybe when I'm in the U.S. Congress, I will. David, we'll talk to you next week. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, everybody. We will have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And uh, God bless America. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.